I just really appreciate that. Uh, it's amazing to see the brand new setup. This morning we had to figure out, okay, now where do, where do the kids meet? Where do all, everyone had to figure all these things out. And, uh, you know, our church is not the auditorium that we meet in. Our church is really this group of people right here. And anyway, just, just exciting to be a part of a group of people that can be that flexible and, and really just have just a, a heart to make that, make that happen. Now I would say, you know, as the sun begins to move, you're gonna, you're gonna, you've picked a seat where you thought that was a good seat. <laughs> and then you're gonna realize this was not a good seat because the sun is no longer where I thought it was gonna go. So please feel free if you want to, if you want to pick up and move your chair to the shade, feel free to do whatever it is you need to do to stay as comfortable as you can. Um, this morning, um, my name is uh, Jeep Underwood. I'm the campus pastor here and, uh, we're, we're today we're, we're finishing up a series on perspective. And uh, we've been looking at just the fundamental aspects of how life works and then what God desires to do in our lives and in, in the lives of our community. And we've, we've looked at several things. We've looked at how the scriptures are really to be like a reality grid that we can filter reality through uh, so that we make good decisions and we really know how life works. And then we've looked at how knowing God personally is really at the heart of understanding what reality really is like because he created it. And then we looked at our great need of God and how, and our great need of the life that he gives us when we really accept Christ and make him really the boss of our lives. And we've looked at walking with God is really, is really accepting his invitation to learn from him and develop a lifestyle of putting into practice the things that he says so that we have a well-built life. Then last week we looked at God's desire that we be a community, uh, that would really provide a place for people to belong and provide a place where people could really grow. And provide a place where people could really have people that care about them on their journey. And that's what we looked at. That's what we looked at last week. And this week what we want to look at is what does, what does God want to do through our community and through our individual lives? What is it that God wants to do? You know, one thing is, you know, God really wants everyone to really come into a community like we talked about last week, to really accept Him, to know Him, and to be changed over time to be like Him. And really to be rescued from the darkness and the prisons that they're in and really transferred to the kingdom of his son. That's really why it's on God's heart. In fact, when, when God was looking ahead, uh, to the future, he was looking, like in the book of Isaiah, he was looking ahead to what Jesus was going to do. And Isaiah 49 6 captures something I wanted to read, uh, this morning. <clears throat> he said, he says, God says, it's too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob, and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also make you a light to the nations, so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Really what, when God looked at, he looked at the mission of bringing Israel back to God, he just said, you know, that's just too small a thing. What he really wants is that his salvation would just go to the very ends of the earth. And he said, same thing like just with our community here, is that he really wants to build it and develop it, but it's just, it, it needs to be growing and expanding. He really wants to bring other people in and uh, so they can experience the community that he's developing with us. Uh, and then in Second Peter 3, 9, there's another picture of God's heart. And this is Peter. He says, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So really... He's really patient with us, and he really has a desire that all of us would come to that point where we'd really change, 
where we'd really go from the way we've been going to the way that that he uh, that he really has for us. And that's what it's remember that word repentance. And that's really what was on Jesus's heart. And I'd like to look at just a moment in Jesus's ministry. It's a moment when Jesus was uh, he was in the midst of reaching out to the communities around him and it's a nice breeze out here, guys. <laughs> All right. If I got these in the right order, this will make a lot of sense. Um, so, so Jesus was looking at, uh, let me see if I can arrange this a little better. Jesus was looking at a, uh, at the people around him in the community. And he was, he was within this community of 12, 12 disciples that he'd really been developing and building and creating that environment and that community we've been talking about. And in, in, I'd like to take a look at, uh, I'd like to take a look at, uh, Luke 9, 36 to 38. And it just says this. It says, seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. You know, one thing that strikes me there is the first thing it says is he saw people, seeing the people. Um, in the midst of everything he was trying to accomplish, in, midst, in, midst, in the midst of the goals that he really had, he saw people for who they really were, and he saw people where they were really at. And, uh, you know, it's so easy. It's so easy for us. We get busy with the things we're doing that we just don't notice and we don't see the people that are around us. And uh, it's kind of like... Several years ago, uh, I took my family to Disneyland. We do that every so often. And uh, this was way when the kids were really little. Uh, Patrick and Molly were uh, like three and two years old, and Donovan hadn't been born yet. And we had him in like a double stroller. And if you guys have never experienced Disneyland in August in a double stroller, you haven't lived. <laughs> uh, because it's impossible. I mean, if you just try to walk through Disneyland in August, you can't do that. And so we're like trying to push this thing around and in this, it was one of those inline ones, so it was about 18 feet long. A little exaggeration. And so you're trying to drive it through the crowd and I would, I would try to get people's attention. They'd be walking by and go, excuse me, excuse me, you just need, excuse, what, excuse I'm looking at all these people and no one's looking at me. And it was just, it was just this realization that, my gosh, how can I be in this many people and no one look at me? You know, and you know, I started waving my arms, finally got people's attention. And, uh, you know, if you will, a, cart in front of someone, they do actually do pay attention after a while, so you had to kind of learn some nuance there. But but it's just really easy to get busy uh, with life. Yeah. Oh, thanks, man. Perfect. Thanks. Appreciate that. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Thanks, John. Um, so, hey, being outside is kind of a lot of fun. Not used to a breeze, hmm? although I don't mind it. Hmm? And the next thing I see in this passage is it says God, he felt compassion. It says Jesus felt compassion for people because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. And you look up those words in the original language, distressed and dispirited. It basically means like harassed and thrown down. So it has this, has this picture of people just with a lot of troubles in life and just life is just keeps, just keeps knocking them down. And so he's watching the people around him. And he's seeing this in their lives. And one thing he noticed, I think one of the things he noticed is that even though their culture was based on the Old Testament, that they didn't really know God and they really felt on their own. They didn't really know God and they really felt like they were on their own. And 
I think he really noticed that the grid that they were filtering reality through just was really the wrong grid. So that they really got into some hard places. They made decisions and they got into hard places. And when the opportunities came in life, they were always standing at the wrong door. They just didn't really understand just how reality was working. And then he saw, he says they were sheep. They were scattered like sheep without a shepherd. Is There was no community really that they were involved in. They were just really scattered. There was no one to help them where they could grow and where people could really care about them. And then he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And then he asked them to pray for workers to go out and really share and really connect to people. And the next thing he did, if you look at Matthew 10, the next thing he did is he sent the disciples out to do just that. He sent them out to really connect with people and make a difference. And that's what God really wants to develop us into a community of folks who co-labor with him to really bring other people into his community, into our community and into his kingdom. That's really what's on his heart. And what I want to look at this morning is, you know, how do you become a co-laborer of God? What are, what are some parts of, you know, co-laboring with God, what he's doing in the world? Uh, the first thing, there's, there's a couple things I want to look at. One is that you just have, you have to really enjoy your life of walking with him and really be satisfied in him. That's one thing you need is just to really enjoy your life walking with him and in community and just being satisfied in him. Um, the, in Psalm 34, 8, it just says, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him to just really taste and see that God really is good in your life. Um, in Psalm 37, 4, uh, the psalmist says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now I think when, uh, when you think of the desires of your heart, sometimes things that come to your mind are like a relationship. That's what, that's what the desire of my heart is or, Maybe a car, a new car, a Lamborghini. You know, it's just, you could just go off. Um, it could be a job. If I just had that job, or if I just had this, this, this status that I'm looking for, if I really had success in my business, then that would really satisfy me. And I, I don't think, those really aren't the desires of our heart. Those are just the things that we think are going to satisfy us. Those are the things that we think are going to satisfy the desires of our heart. And so, really, the desires of our heart are things more like, Unconditional love, just knowing that someone isn't going to just drop out of your life if you mess up, that they really care about you. Uh, a sense of belonging, like we talked about last week, that's a desire of our hearts. Uh, growing and making progress in life, having a real purpose to our lives, those are the desires of our hearts that God really fulfills when we really delight in Him and really enjoy a relationship with Him. And when we get the joy of being satisfied in God, that's really what compels us to share our life with other people. That we want other people to join us in that. There's something about joy. There's something about joy that you just want to share it with other people. It could be like some place to eat. Maybe you saw it on diners, drive-ins, and dives. You go, you got to go with me. But I also, you know, I when I think of this, I think of Braveheart because one of my favorite movies. And uh, my, uh, I remember my friend. I had a friend back in uh, 1995 when it came out. I hadn't seen it yet. He comes up to me and he goes, Jeep, have you seen Braveheart? I said, no. No, I haven't. He goes, we're going. I mean, you mean, are you, you're asking me to go? No, no, we're going. There was, there was no asking involved. Just come on. All right. So we just figured out the time. So we went in, we watched Braveheart and I noticed the whole time we're watching Braveheart. Like I'm, I'm kind of reacting to what I'm seeing and it's like just, it's very inspiring movie. And as these different scenes are happening, he's looking at, he, 
I realized he wasn't looking at the screen. He was looking at me. It is every, like something happened. He go, hey, <laughs> what do you think? I'm like, oh, it's great. You know, it's, and when, he, when we got done, we were both all charged up. I thought he was going to kick the door off the theater when he left. He's like, merman. So uh, we just had a we just had a great time. But there was something about watching that with me, who had never seen Braveheart before, that made watching Braveheart so much better to him. And that's really what it's like when when you invest in your relationship with God until it really impacts you in that kind of way where you really enjoy Him and you're really satisfied with Him. It really just it just turns your heart out and you want other people to really enjoy that with you and it makes it so much better when they do. So that's one thing is just to invest in your relationship with God. Second thing is you really need to understand what role that you play in in reaching out to people around you, the people that God really wants to reach. You really have to understand really what the division of labor is. Uh, what's God's part of drawing people and what's what's your part of actually sharing with them? And we boil it down to really what God's role is in bringing people around is he draws them and he convicts them and he changes them. That's his role. He's the one that does that. And then our role is just to love people, share with them, and pray for them. That's really what our role is. And so... Uh, we, we want to make sure that we don't get those roles mixed up. It can really cause some real confusion. Now, with God's roles, you know, he, he draws people to himself. In John 6, one thing Jesus said, he said, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And so God, he, he is always trying to, he's always getting the attention of people. He's, he's always drawing people to himself. He's trying to get their attention. It might be a lack of satisfaction in what they've been pursuing. It might be, Troubles that they're facing, hardships, but he's trying to get their attention so they begin to look for something else, something more. And then he convicts them. He really, and, and, uh, in John 16, it's just very clear that he said it's the Holy Spirit that convicts men of sin. Like that they, they've really been going their own way. They've been doing what they want to do and what they think they ought to do and that it's really not working for me. He begins to really tap them on the shoulder and let them know, hey, there's something else. You really need to be following me. You really, there's something you need. And then, you know, he really changes people. He's the one that actually changes people from the inside out. I'd like to read, uh, 1 Timothy 2, 24 to 26. And this is Paul talking to Timothy and he says, The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. If perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. What, one thing you see there is that it is God who grants people repentance. It is God who helps people and, and actually help bring them to the point where they actually change their course of their life and turn it somewhere else and begin to really walk with him. And our role, we don't have to go around trying to convince people of things. We don't have to try to uh, you know, win arguments. In fact, uh, you know what I think? I don't know what you guys, I, I like watching news. I like watch, I've always liked watching news and just know what's going on in the world. But recently, like over the past year or two, I don't really like watching the news very much anymore because you, you look at the cable news networks, you turn it on, there's like two people or four people and two of them think one thing, two of them think the other thing. And all they do is just argue and they just yell at each other the whole time. And you're just like, good grief. I have kids. I don't need to hear this. Um, but it's just like you just just arguing, arguing back and forth. And, you know, you got two sides yelling at them. 
And it's really kind of an us versus them mentality that, you know, they're wrong, I'm right, we're right. And, you know, nobody ever gets convinced in those things. No one ever goes, you know what, I've listened to everything you've yelled at me. And and having considered that, I actually no longer believe what I believed when I got on this show. You know, you just don't see that happening. Um, what happens is, you know, no one really changes the thinking, but people get more entrenched in what they really believe. And what I love about this verse is it makes it very clear that our role is really just to be, as followers of Christ, we're to not be quarrelsome. We're not to argue. We're, uh, we're really to be kind and patient and gentle as God really works in people's lives because he's the one that's working in people's lives. And so that's not, that's not our role. And then, you know, it's really, it's easy though to get into an us versus them mentality and just the people that are outside the faith. And so that's something you really have to work against. And really what it really is, is it's an us for them, an us for them mentality. And one thing that, one thing that really strikes me is in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul describes some different kind of lifestyles of people that just walk away from him. And then he, when he gets done, he goes, and such were some of you. You were, you were just like that until God changed you. And really, just as we remember where we were, we remember that we also have gone through being drawn, convicted, and changed by God. It really gives us an empathy and a real concern for other people. And it really, uh, really wants us to really take in part of what God's really doing in the world, help them introduce him to God. So our role, going, I'd like to go through some things on our role. Our role really is to love, love people and to pray for them and to share with them. To really love them, pray, and share with them. So you want, you want to, you want to find ways just to love people. You know, uh, just serve them. You know, love really is meeting needs. It's, uh, it's finding practical ways to meet needs in people's lives. What you want to, one thing you want to do is just become known as a helpful person in the circles that you relate in. Just become known as a helpful person. And then, you know, when people think of you as a helpful person and they also know that you really take God seriously because you've really identified with him, then they, when they go through something hard, when they go through something that they're trying to figure out, they think of you as someone they could ask for help. So just try to become a, be known as a helpful person and really identify with Christ with people around you. And then really just care about people. First um, Thessalonians uh, 2.8, Paul says, Having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become very dear to us. It's just, it's just really caring about people that are around you. And uh, not just sharing the gospel with them, but really sharing your life with them. And it has a huge impact. You know, take time to get to know people. Uh, ask them questions and really listen to the answers and really try to get to know who they are and where they're coming from. And, you know, change your schedule to buy up opportunities to really spend time with them. Um, it might, maybe lunch at work would be a, would be a time. Maybe, uh, maybe you're in the habit of eating lunch by yourself, but maybe one time a week, just carve out some time and ask someone to have lunch with you just so you can spend some time with them. And then another part of loving people is just accepting them where they are. And, and just invite them into our community so that they can really have a place where they can begin to belong. They begin to feel like they belong and a safe place to ask questions and get answers as they get around the grand, uh, others of us that really walk with God. Then another thing that you really want to do is, is just pray for people. You want to pray for God to really draw them, to really convict them 
and to really change them from the inside out, to really draw them to himself. Really pray that God would do that. And really pray for openness in people that you're connecting with. Pray that they would be really open. There would be an opportunity for you to share. You know, I remember uh, I remember years ago, uh, there was a good friend of mine at work. Uh, we were we were having lunch one day, and there was an opportunity to share something, and, and I, I just missed the opportunity. I missed the opportunity. And I remember just praying and asking God, God, could you give me another opportunity? And it was a, a few weeks later, I just had prayed that a few times. You know, God, just give me an opportunity so I could have a, I could share the gospel clearly with him. And so one day we were, we're walking out the door. We're going to go have lunch. And as we step down the steps uh, out of our building, he looks over at me and he said, uh, Hey, uh, so how do you become a Christian anyway? I thought, well, I, you know, I don't know really what open doors always look like, but that does sound kind of like an open door. And uh, I remember as we walked down the hill, we started talking a little bit, and we got to an intersection as we were going to walk across to, to the restaurant we were going to. I realized that unless a bus were to hit me right then, <laughs> I was going to have an opportunity to share something with him. And so we sat down, we had lunch, and we had a great discussion just about with the gospel and just explaining clearly what God had done through the person of Jesus Christ. And as we were talking, I would start to share something uh, about the truth of that, and then he would ask questions, and then we'd have a dialogue back and forth. It was it was one of it was it was just a very fun, fruitful time of just talking about God, and we just had this dialogue back and forth all the way through. And I know that when we left there that day, he had a very clear picture, a clear understanding of what the gospel really was. You know, the, you know, pray for those opportunities, and then you know, pray for boldness to take them when they come. And pray for wisdom so that you know, uh, like what to share and then how much to share, depending on how open they are. And then the third thing is just really to share with them. Um, first Peter 3.15, uh, Peter says this. He says, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. You know, as, as people get close to your life and they really get to know who you really are, they begin to see something that maybe is not in their own life, and that is that you have hope. The, what, what Peter says here is be ready to answer the question about the hope that is in you. And, you know, they begin, they get around you and maybe they, they begin seeing this growing stability in your life. Uh, maybe they look and they see your kids are turning out well. Or maybe they see uh, your growth as a person, that you're not just the same person as you've always been. They've actually seen some growth in you. And they begin to ask questions. And the questions a lot of times sound things like this. How do you handle the stress? Aren't you freaked out? Well, well, doesn't that make you mad? You know, there's, there's all kinds of questions that people ask. And they're really tied to this hope that they see that where you actually have some stability and you're able to handle things around you. And so... Those are really opportunities to share something meaningful about God. So be ready. Be ready to share. And so one thing, some things you can have really ready to share is just your own testimony, like how you came to Christ. You know, uh, how did God change your life? How did he change, like, where you were before you became a believer and when you, how did you come to know him? And then what changed after that? How did he really help you? Uh, be able to be ready to share that with someone. And also, it might be something that God's currently helping you with. It might be just something you're dealing with. You say, actually, you know what? This morning, this, and this is how God has been really helping me. 
And that's, that's the reason I'm not freaking out right now. And then, uh, and then just understand some ways to share the gospel in a clear way. Just the, sharing the gospel is just explaining in a clear way what God has done in the person of Jesus Christ in a way that they just understand and, and just very clear. And just learn several ways of doing that so that you're really ready when those opportunities come to really share the gospel with people. And then, um, as I, as I move towards, uh, closing up this morning, you know, uh, Jesus, the night before he was crucified, he had, he prayed, uh, this long prayer that was in, uh, it's captured in John 17. And, hey, how's it going guys? <laughs> we normally don't meet out here, but it's really good. Feel, <laughs> uh, so, uh, guys, Jesus was praying. And uh, one of the things he prayed for, he prayed for the guys that he had really invested his life in. And then he prayed for us. He prayed for the people that would hear, uh, really hear about him and really come to believe in him through their word. And so he was praying for the future communities that were going to come out. Come out. And so I'm going to read uh, John 17, 22 through 23. And Jesus was praying. He says, The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. When our, when our community really walks together in unity, it really convinces people that God is real and that Jesus is who he said he was. So when people that get around us and they see the way we, we operate, like this morning when we come in and the power's off, just watching this community of people just come together and completely reimagine Church in the Valley. And, you know, there's kids over in the courtyard there, over there. There's a nursery in the hallway. There's all kinds of things going on. But people come around and they go, man, there's some stability here. And there's some flexibility here that really comes from just, there's something here where people really, really do pull together and they really do care about each other. People begin to see that Jesus really is real. And so, as I close, I'll just say this, and this is, you know, as a community... If each one of us would just invest in our relationship with God and become satisfied in Him, and that we would just see the people around us and love them, and pray for the people that are around us, and look for opportunities to really share with them, then we really will, we really can enter into what God's doing in the world, in our lives, in our community, will really make a difference. So, with that, I want to ask the band to go ahead and come back up, and, uh, I want to go through, this would be a good time if you have, uh, if you haven't quite filled out your communication card, this is a good time to finish that up. And then as, as, uh, as they're coming up here, I just want to go through a few next steps to kind of mirror what I just said. And that is, you know, maybe for you the next step is just to really begin to see people around you and really love them. Maybe for you the next step would be just to pray for the people around you. Begin to pray that for openness, pray that God would really draw them to, to himself. And maybe it's just to look for opportunities to share. Maybe there's some folks that you've already been connected to and there's going to be some opportunities to share with them. So with that, I want to, I'd like to just pray for us and we'll get back to worship. Dear God, Father, I just, uh, very grateful to you for the change that you've made in my life. And I'm very grateful that you drew me to yourself and that you convicted me of the, of the wrong that I was in. And God, you really changed me and are changing me and helping me grow. God, I just pray that for each one of us today, that we'd really connect to you in a very relational way. 
and be satisfied in you and help other people come to know you. In Jesus' name, amen.